0: Perik Aleph Mishnah 15. We continue to discuss what you can and cannot use your Meister Shani money for. And here really is where the Limud from the Pasuk, the actual exegesis from how to understand the words of the verse are, are come into play. Let me read you the words themselves. We're talking here in Parshas re'e it's Perik Yodalid, Pasuk Chaf Vav, 1426 of Dvaram. You will apply the money that has the caduceus of sheni to whatever your soul desires. That would be called a klal. It includes everything, whatever your soul desires. But then the Passo continues Babakar, uvatzon, uva shechar. On a list you could, of things you may buy, include cattle, sheep and goats, wine, and alcoholic beverages. That's called a prat, it's specific items, it's specific items, not a general thing. And then the verse continues on again, Again, whatever your soul desires. So that's called a klal, it includes whatever you want. So this structure is called a klal, uprat, uklal, and there are certain rules that apply to it. I actually very much would like to t- explain how the claw protocol works as well as how the claw broad works versus the proton claw and um, I'm going to save that to the end of the recording because some people might not want to hear it and I, it will take a bit of time to explain but I think it's super important and I really do want to explore it and explain it fully but for now just accept the fact I'll explain more at the end of the recording that claw proto sets up a scenario where what it's a general set of things that are permitted in the context here of what you may buy with Meister Shani provided that they resemble the things in the list. So we have a th- the things in our list essentially are animals and, and beverage. So Chazal understand that the common denominators between that list of items are things that draw their nourishment from the ground, because animals eat from the ground, as do, um, you know, alcoholic beverage, etc. come from material that came from the ground which was fermented. And also that it it reproduces. Grapes reproduce that's the stuff you make wine with. Animals reproduce, they have babies, etc. So it's things like that that are what you may use to purchase with your Meister Shaini money. Um, The Mishnah adds a list which the Rambam understands is is essentially built into other similarities. We're talking here of course about food that that you're consuming and the Mishnah slash, and the Ram understands from the Pasukam himself, um, it, there are additional things that are points of similarity, namely, that these things are detached from the ground, um, meaning as opposed to purchasing an apple tree, you only can pr- purchase apples with your Maestro Shady money. Um, according to others, the reason for that would be that the apple tree is not considered food at all while it's still attached to the ground. And another condition is, um, as we'll see in the Mishnah, that Whatever is being, okay, fine, that's that. Whatever is being bought must be able to make it to Yushalayim without going bad, and without spoiling. But on that point, it's a little more complicated. The actual halacha is that one is not permitted to purchase foodstuffs outside of Yushalayim with his Maestro Shani money. That's disallowed. One may not do that. Um, but the Mishnah will consider what happens if one did do that. In the second part of the Mishnah will consider if a person didn't follow the rules and he went now and took his Maestro money and he bought himself... Uh, an apple or a granola bar or whatever it is is that permitted um and what are the consequences so here we go the mission inside says Halokeach umelach, if a person purchases water or salt with his meister sheni money that's not going to work as we'll see in a second uh, because those foods don't water and salt do not draw their nourishment from the ground they don't reproduce therefore they're ineligible for purchase. And similarly, Lakarka, if a person purchases foodstuffs that are still attached to the ground, like the whole tree, etc. Oh perish en Or he purchases foodstuffs that simply won't make it to Yerushalayim. like he buys some fresh grapes and you know the trip to Yerushalayim is still three weeks three weeks from now, so then those grapes certainly will spoil and become inedible by the time he gets to Yerushalayim. In all those cases, which literally means the Meister doesn't acquire it. So what we're saying here is that this is simply an invalid purchase. Um, it's disallowed by the Torah. And that being the case, really, one, the purchaser has to get his money back and he has to give back the whatever he bought. So actually, it would be like a so the It's disallowed, meaning that the seller has to give the money back and the purchaser has to give back what he bought and they have to try again with, with legitimate funds. In the event, hypothetically, where the person who sold the bag of salt to this guy for my Shani money is gone. So we can't get back the coins in his hand because he's disappeared. So then the person who purchased the salt, let's say purchased it for five shekels, he'll need to buy, take five shekels out of his own pocket and purchase new legitimate foodstuffs in Yerushalayim and eat them there as if they were Maestr Shani money and invest with the Kedusha. Um, nothing he can do. The coin that's in the hand of the salt merchant, wherever he is, actually still invests with Kedusha Maestr Shani, uh, which is a great shame, but you know, if you can't find them, you can't tell them, so that's, what can you do? So that's what the missionary has to say. These are illegitimate purchases, and therefore they have to revert back, and the consequences, if you don't for whatever reason, are, as I just explained. Okay, now, that very line of the mission said that you're not to buy produce which won't make it to shalim which would imply that you could buy produce that will make it to shalim but in fact, that's not true. You're not allowed to, as I just said, you're not allowed to buy any foodstuffs outside of Yerushalayim. You want the money to go as cash into Yerushalayim and used for foodstuffs over there. But if you broke that rule, the, up to now the Mishnah said, well, if it won't make it to Yerushalayim, it's totally invalid. Now we're c- going to consider um, what happens if you purchase foodstuffs that will make it to Yerushalayim. So even there it depends. The Mishnah says, Halokeach peros, if a person did purchase some food outside of Yerushalayim with his Meister Shani money, but now we're talking about food that will make it there. So he broke the rules but it's not going to be necessarily totally invalidated because it could make it there and be consumed with Torah's So there um, we say, listen, Shogig, if it was an accident, then Then the money goes back to its place. What does that mean? This guy didn't, he made a mistake. He had his Meister Shani money in his left pocket and he had his regular cash, private cash in his right pocket and when he purchased his, you know, he purchased some he the granola bar to take with him, he thought he was buying granola bar for lunch now and then he realized oh, the money I gave for the granola bar purchase was a, was came from my meister sheni pocket, so that was a mistake now granola bar will last till Yerushalayim, won't spoil and that being the case um, the first part of the Mishnah doesn't apply, meaning that it's not automatically invalidated by virtue of the fact that it's a granola bar, as opposed to, you know, grapes that are three weeks away from your Yerushalayim. But here, since it was a mistake altogether, that is to say, he didn't mean to use Meister Shandy funds to purchase this granola bar. He meant to use his regular chulin funds, and he made a mistake. So that being the case, still the Chazal here, the Mishnah comes to that man's aid, and says, we say this was a Mecca toast, the whole thing was one big mistake, and we force the merchant to give back the money, we force the guy to give back his granola bar, they can start again from scratch. On the other hand, amazed, if the fellow who purchased the granola bar knew full well he was buying it with Meister Shaney money outside of Ushalim, which is a no no. So he's now done Isaduraban. So now we don't let him reverse the charges, we force him to take it to Yerushalayim, and it says, Therefore, Yaalu <speaking> Vie Then he has no choice but now after the fact to take the food that he bought, which has Kadush's Meister Shane. Um, and take that food up to Yerushalayim and eat it over there. He can't, there's no way to redeem it again. He's stuck with it now and he has to slap it to Yerushalayim. Now, what happens if, like, there's no base of Mikdash? So now he is stuck with his granola bar and he can never eat the granola bar because there's no base of Mikdash, no mizbeach, etc. So then your kavu, the only option he has is to wait for it to spoil and then to bury it. Okay, He can't, he can't get enough from it, he can't benefit from it, he can't redeem it etc. It's he's stuck with his granola bar in perpetuity until at one point it stops being food, it's it's uh it's spoiled and rotten, and at that point it can just be buried. Kinda of like if you're familiar with Schmidt and Yisrael, You have your peels and whatever it is that you put in the in the pot, your you know your special refuse container for the foodstuffs until they spoil. And then you can dispose of them once they've spoiled. So the same kind of thing here too. In the case of a granola bar that might be a very long time. Okay, so that's the that's the end of the mission, and straightforward. Now I just want to revert back to the technicalities of how klal, prato, klal work. I think this is really important if you're not clear and you've eyes glazed over many a time in the past this is your big chance to get it. It's not complicated it's straightforward. Here's the deal Famously, uh, Rabbi Yishmael has 13 rules by which the Torah can be decoded um, I wouldn't call these rules of logic these are conventions. That is to say there's nothing um, logically that demands these rules to be true and that even includes kol vachomer but what we're saying here is that when Hashem wrote the Torah, he gave us a little decoder ring by which he, we could um, understand that there's more in the text than simply meets the eye. There are conventions by which you can pull out more halachas. And that essentially was, if I can say this, uh, essential and necessary in as much as Hashem wanted to fit in an essentially infinite Torah into a finite text. So therefore, he needs to have conventions where stuff can be pulled out and he can encode further information than just what's written on the, on the literal level. And one of the ways he did that, Hashem did that, is um, with these 13 exegetical rules, according to Rabbi um, which allows us to understand what the Torah is saying in, in more depth by pulling out principles. So two of the rules are what are called klal u prat and prat u klal. So klal means something inclusive, like kolel, and it means a general principle. And a prat means an individual thing, meaning a specific example, and that was the essentially the opposite of a klal. So sometimes the Torah lists out what's called a klal and a prat. First, we'll say a general thing. it will say, I'll use our very, our very example, even though it's, it's putting the two things together. But it, to keep it clear and not avoid too many complicated examples here. So first, in our pasuk here in partials for A, it starts out by saying, whatever you want. That's who you can buy whatever your soul desires. So that is whatever you want. That's a general. That's a klal. Then it goes on to say a prat, of its own, Those are specific things. So if the verse ended there, that would be a structure where be looked at as a klal uprat. And the rule is, just as this is the convention. This is what Hashem told Moshe Harsinai, When I do a klal then a prat, what I mean is, The only thing I meant to include, says Hashem, in the general principle of. Let's say hypothetically, in this example, whatever your soul desires, you can buy with the money. I meant not that I didn't mean whatever you. I meant specifically what is in the prat, specifically just cows, goats, sheep, wine, and alcohol, and that's it. If it would just be that klal prat, and that we know further klal afterwards in the pasuk, pasuk down there, that's how one how Rabbi would learn the pasuk. It's simply klal prat in bechal and mash When I said whatever you want, I meant just these four things on the list and nothing more. That's how Klalaprat works. And if you ask yourself, wait a second, if that's what Klalaprat's doing, so why in the world does the Torah use a Klalaprat? Let it just use a Prat. But the Torah just say, take the money that you were given with your Maestro Shania money, and you can buy cows, goats, sheep, wine, and alcohol. And I wouldn't need the Klal, because it's explicit. This is what you may buy with it. The answer is that there are other rules that work in the Torah, like, for example, a kol or kezaira shava, and so on, binyan of So you might have thought, if the Torah, as the Torah often does. If it just gives you a list of specific items, or one specific item, you would think, okay, those are those are either examples, but it can be extended further, or, you know, it can be extended because of some other kol or g'zir some other rule that allows one to ex- extend the Torah. So when you have this setup of a klal and prat, which tells you, the only thing we meant in the klal is specifically what's in the prat, we mean, and nothing else. So don't start applying kol and g'zir shavas to my klal and prat. No, no, no. If the Mishnah said, if the, excuse me, if the Chumash had said just whatever your soul wants, and then it says cows go cheap, wine and alcohol, it would mean just that list of items and nothing more, even if it, there's no such, there's no. it's illegitimate to apply a Chovah or whatever to that. That's Klal Prat. Then you have Prat U Sometimes the Pesukim is all the way around. First it lists something uh, very specific, and then it sums it up, if you will, with a, a general. So that happens a number of times in the Torah, but I'll just stick to our verse here to make things less complicated. Um, again, so let's say, for example, hypothetically the Torah said, I'm reading what it doesn't say, but let's say hypothetically said, mm-hmm. apply the money to apply the money to cows, go, cheap, wine, and alcohol. And then the passage continued on, and whatever your soul desires. So first you'd have a prat, a specific item or a list of items, in this case, Cows go cheap, one alcohol, and then it says, and um, whatever you want. So that is called a Prat Uklal. And that's a separate rule. On the list of 13, this is a separate rule of Rabbi Yishmael's list of 13, Prat Uklal. And the rule is when it comes to a Prat and Klal, we say actually everything is included in the Klal. There are no exceptions. Um, and that's the nature of a Prat and Klal. You might ask, if that's the case, so why in the world would it need to say a Prat and a Klal? It could just say the klal. It could just say whatever your soul desires. And then you would be, you know, without any... Why would you think anything other than that it's a general general principle? And the answer is the same way. You might think you could pull out some certain exceptions because of a shava, because of a Homer etc. The answer is no, no exceptions at all. Prat u'Klal means everything is in the klal, and there are no exceptions. Okay, fine. Now our actual verse is... Neither of those two things. It's not a prat and klal, and it's not a klal uprat. Um, it's, if you will, both of them together. First it has a, a klal, and then it has a prat, then it has a klal. So it's a klal uprat and prat klal combined together. Now, klal uprat klal, which is our Pusuk, is actually not listed as one of the 13 things in Rabbi Shmuel's list, because kind of what it's doing is it's putting both those things together. It's combining the two principles of klal uprat and prat klal. So in the case of our here, what's happening is first the Torah gives a klal uprat, whatever you want, and then a specific list. And that would suggest that the list is specific and not to be expanded upon. But then when it gives a klal again, to extend it out to other things, so the understanding is that when you have a klal uprat, a klal, we're saying the list is unbounded, the second klal applies, meaning it's a general list, but it, it the generalities include only things that are similar to the specific items on the list. And that's what's happening over here. And therefore, Chazal tells us, what are the points of common, the common denominators between the things on our list, cows go cheap, wine, alcohol, that we're saying you can buy whatever you want as long as they're kind of like these things. So Chazal says it's things that grow from the ground the things that reproduce, which essentially makes for all food, stuffs, but not, for example, uh, water or salt, as our mission said, and also wouldn't necessarily con- con- include something like uh, like uh, mushrooms or something like that. Okay. Fine. So that's how Klal Pratuklal works, and that is what's going on in our mission here. If you want to really do a little eon, you could see the Yishalmi who understands this, not like Rabbi Yish, who applies this, not like um, Rabbi Yishmol does, as a Klal Pratuklal, but as something entirely different, like Rabbi Kiva's Rebun, um, Mute and Rebui, but uh, that we'll have to save for another time.